Bibles this morning, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I've been delaying starting the book of Joshua because we're having a theme this year of a greater vision. And this um, morning I'm going to preach on the greater vision of God's love. And uh, it's around Valentine's. I'm not sure why Valentine's was started. I tried to uh, look at some of the history of it. I think Hallmark really started it and the Rose Company and the uh, Strawberry Company and the Candy Company. Amen. But anyway, they're making a whole lot of money. $27.9 billion was spent Friday, and rightfully so. And if you didn't spend at least $10, you're in the doghouse. Amen. First um, Corinthians chapter 13. Tonight, I'm going to be preaching a very interesting topic, and it got more response than any topic I've ever announced. And that's why bad things happen to good people. Why bad things happen to good people. Why did Brother Gary have to suffer from the time he was born to the time he died at 62 years of age uh, will be answered tonight. Uh, why, why, why does tragedy happen in people's lives? Uh, why does God allow it? And we'll be studying the book of Job. And, um, you know, I don't believe Job needed an explanation. Job needed a revelation of who God is. Not an explanation, but a revelation. But I don't think it's bad to say why. Unless you're questioning why with a shaking fist saying, I don't like what you're doing. But God has a reason for trouble. He has a reason for sickness. And we'll give you those answers tonight from the Word of God. Don't miss it. If you've ever, hey, listen, if you ever needed a message, we're all going to have trouble. This world's full of trouble. It's full of a lot of sin and a lot of trouble. But I want to tell you something. God has a reason for you to go through it. And um, some of y'all's hearts are broken this morning with the troubles and trials that you're going through, uh, the prognosis from the doctor or whatever, uh, the death of a, of a loved one. And tonight, why does bad things happen to good people? It's 6 o'clock, uh, 5.30 prayer meeting. Come back tonight. You will not regret it. But this morning, I want to preach a message entitled, What Matters Most? What Matters Most? And I believe what matters most is is if the love of God is in your heart. I think what really matters, I'm going to tell you something, your marriage is in trouble without the love of God. Uh, you're pumping water from a dry well. That's my, one of my favorite sayings I got when I was in South Georgia, I guess. But you're pumping water from a dry well if you're trying to love your mate without the love of God. You're pumping water from a dry well. You have no source of help if you're trying to love your children just by your love. See, God wants to put His love in your life, and His love supersedes any of our kind of love. Amen? Matter of fact, uh, human love is manipulative. You love me, I love you. If you don't send me uh, some Valentines, I ain't going to send you one. Praise God. You, know, uh, you, don't, you forget my birthday, I'll forget yours on purpose. And then we manipulate, maneuver. That's about the best you can do in the flesh. But in the Spirit... You can love like God loves you. Now let me just get, make this statement real quick. You'll never be like God until you love like God. You'll never be like God until you love like God. And if you're not saved, you have no way on this earth to have the love of God flowing through your life. You're on your own. I mean, just go ahead and have at it. Your marriage is on your own. You're ch raising your children... Have at it. I'll check back in about 40 years and you'll find out how it happened. 
I won't check in 40 years. I'll be gone, but somebody will check. Amen? And I want to tell you something, friend. God help us to realize the importance of what matters most, and that's the gift of His love and our privilege to share it. To share it. I want to say this, that love and respect will change your home. Love and respect will change your home. You lose respect for each other and respect for God, your home will be a shambles. Your home will be a tragedy. Your children will count the days they can leave your home and never come back. But if the love of God is there, it's the most attractive, satisfying, fulfilling thing on this earth. So what matters most is the love of God. Let's stand all the Word of God. I'm going to read the entire chapter. You say, oh no, i got to stand during the whole chapter. You ought to be up here. I stand 45 minutes on purpose. Amen. Not 30, 45. But I'm going to cut it to 30 because we've got so many to baptize today. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13, right in the middle of a chapter about spiritual gifts and the abuse of it, and each believer has a gift, but I want to tell you something, without love, you're a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. You ever been to a concert and heard a cymbal solo? I don't think so. But I've been to some concerts where there's a great orchestra that melts together and makes a great melody. And so your love without God is just a cymbal. Look at that. Though I speak with tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, that's love, God's love. I have become a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge and though I have all faith so that I, I, I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, listen to this, I give my body to be burned and have not charity. Profit me nothing. Look at your Bible. Charity suffereth long and is kind. We need a revival of kindness in the home. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up. How many has ever been around a person that's puffed up? Doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. Rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth. Whether there be prophecy, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, and when, we, and, and when that which is perfect has come, then that which is part shall be done away with. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face, I will. now I know in part, but then shall I know even as I am known. Now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. Now charity is defined as God, love in action. But biblically, charity is defined God's love in action. God's love in action. 
You may be seated as I pray. Father, thank you for the good music, the good singing, God Christ honoring. What a blessing to be in a church where there's some great old hymns sung about the love of God. And Lord, I pray that we have worshipped you. Because if we haven't worshipped you in love, our singing is in vain. We're just a tingling cymbal, a clanging cymbal. It's all been just a bunch of noise. But God, if we sang out of love and played out of love and God was here and worshipped because we love you, then Lord, it's an eternal act that will never return void. So Lord, teach us something this morning. Stir our hearts and we'll thank you for uh, the gift of love. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You know, God's put a need in your life, and that need is to be loved. The greatest need for a man is significance. Adam and Eve was in the garden, and Adam created all the animals and named them. And I mean, it was wonderful what he named them. Hippopotamus, rhinoceros, amen, salamander, whatever, amen. Uh, it, was, it was great. Geese, goose, duck. He, he was brilliant. But he had no helpmate to correct his spelling. No, he had no helpmate to say, wow, that's great. What a name, hippopotamus, rhinoceros. And he knows all the animals were together and they loved each other or they were companions, so to speak, mates at least. And God put a need in Adam's life for a wife, a helpmate, someone to appreciate him. And so the greatest need of a man is significance, to feel like somebody. And that's why respect in the home, if it goes out the back door, your marriage is in trouble. When you start disrespecting each other, you start taking each other for granted. And you can do that in a church too. You can do that towards a pastor. You can do that towards your teacher. You can do that towards other people. Yesterday, last week, when everybody was fellowshipping and laughing around the uh, chicken, which is scriptural, and uh, casseroles, which was delicious, and the strawberry shortcake, and the banana pudding, which is definitely probably uh, not good for our health, but great for our fellowship. I notice all the laughing, laughter, and all the love. Folks, that's the church. You don't get you don't get that in a pew. You don't get to know anybody. You isolationists. You need to get involved in in loving people, loving people. Hey, you're on the uh, foreign field, you eat the food of the nationals whether you like it or not. Frogs and um, all kinds of stuff I've eaten over on Jamaica. And South Africa, their food, I don't like it. Um, Peruvian food, I, I can't stand it. But you've got to eat it because you've got to say, hey, I love you. Amen. We had some delicious food last week. And folks, the laughter and the love around it thrilled my heart. You ought, to give, you ought to be a part of that. But I want to say this, and I want to say it real kindly. The reason sometimes that we do not fellowship, and the reason we do not feel the need to come back on Sunday night, and the reason we don't come back on Wednesday night, is because the love of God is not flowing through us. I'm going to say this, friend. When the love of God is flowing through you, you don't come here to get. You come here to give. You don't come here to get fellowship. You come to give fellowship. You look at the person that's saddest. Look around. Find somebody who looks real sad. No, you look at that person and you minister to them. You love them. They might live in a home of, of fighting and fussing all week and 
and manipulation and maneuvering. And I want to tell you what will make the difference. The love of God in you. Everybody needs the love of God. Everybody needs to feel the love of God. They don't feel it through reading the Bible and singing a song. They feel it through your love, through your hug, through your handshake, through your smile, through your interest, through your conversation. And it starts in the home. It starts in the home. The love of God is placed in you when you're saved. The Bible says, And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given to us, Romans 5, 5. The Bible says that we love because we're saved, and we're His disciples. The Bible says, They shall know that we are His disciples if we love one another, John 13, 35. John 13, 34 says, A new commandment I give unto you that uh, you love one another, and I, as I have loved you, that ye love one another, as I have loved you. And so this morning, I want to I take uh, just real quick three snapshots of the love of God. First of all, I want you to see the, the, um, in the first three verses of this chapter, love's distinction. Love is distinct and superior to any love on this earth. Matter of fact, most of the love on this earth is lust. And it's manipulation. You love me, I'll love you. And folks, the Bible says in verse 1 through 3 that love is higher than the sensational. The Bible says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which is preached in you. Excuse me, that's, verse, that's chapter 15. Though I speak with tongues of men and angels and have not charity, I become a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. Though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all the mysteries and all the knowledge, and though I have all faith so that uh, I could remove mountains and have not charity, I'm nothing. And though I bestow all goods to the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. So folks, there's some sensational. You can be a great speaker, but if you don't have love, it's nothing. It's like a symbol solo. You can be a great orator. You can, have a, uh, you can be moved by a person's oratorical ability. And you can have an emotional experience. You can do that watching a sad movie, say amen. I watched a movie this week about that Marshall team. Uh, 76 people killed. 76 young football players killed in a crash. How the parents ran to the crash site to, to see if their loved one was alive and they'd been burnt to death. How they rebuilt that team. Boy, it was, it was stern. I got all fired up, you know. Praise God. I about wanted to go join Marshall University and say, praise God, I'll... I'll play. That'd be a joke, amen? But the bottom line is this. A movie can move you emotionally. Speech and oratorical ability and preaching can move you emotionally. Some of you don't move you a bit. You, as soon as you sit in this pew, you're asleep. But you know, listen, uh, God help you. Uh, I try. But, uh, but I want to tell you something. Worship can be man-centered when it ought to be God-centered. Amen? We come to hear some spectacular, sensational musical piece or some preacher with oratorical ability. But I want to tell you something. Without love, the Bible says, it is nothing. Your home without love is nothing. Then number two, love is higher than the spectacular. This verse mentions in verse two about uh, special abilities, oratorical abilities. Um, prophecy, telling the future, or preaching, foretelling 
what's going to happen. Knowledge and faith moves mountains. Without love is nothing. It's nothing. The emphasis is clear. And then, then, then look at verse 3. <clears throat> uh, love is higher than sacrifice. It says, Though I bestow all my goods and feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, have not charity, it profits me nothing. Folks, it says you can be a martyr, but if you don't love God, it's nothing. It's nothing. And so I want to give you not only love's distinction, I want to give you love's description. It's going to be so practical, uh, but you can thank God uh, that the Bible is livable. Amen? And it's lovable. And I'll tell you something, friend. If you'll just go home with the love of God, it'll make a difference in your home. If you'll just go to school Monday, it'll make a difference in your, your, uh, your school. You go to work with the love of God, it'll make a difference on your job. It'll make a difference. I want to show you God's love, verse 4. It says, charity suffereth long. This is love's feature. I want to say this, first of all, love is patient. How many need more patience? Say amen. How many married the slowest wife in the world? It takes her 45 minutes to get ready. But you better thank God she thinks enough of herself to get ready. Because some women that get out in public, I wonder if they really just missed the mirror. Say amen. They didn't take time to put nothing on. Amen. Now, I don't believe in a whole lot of makeup where you don't identify the objects. All right, paint a barn as long as you don't put so much paint on you can't identify the barn. That wasn't a good illustration. Amen. But anyway, um, I'm saying, friend, you ought to thank God you got a wife that wants to look nice, that tries to look nice. That looks a whole lot nicer than you, say amen, praise God. You, all you men married up. But it suffers long, it's enduring. Why don't you do this next week? You get the five kids ready and then let her go out in the car and blow the horn. Now we're preaching, say amen right there. Patience, patience. You know, this suffering long also means you don't retaliate. There's a lot of people getting even. I don't understand all these divorces. And I know there's life after divorce. And thank God for you that's rebuilding your life by the grace of God. But it's almost like they think marriage is some kind of strike one, strike two, strike three, you're out. Folks, that's baseball. That's not marriage. Love endureth. Love does not retaliate. Uh, Stephen's a good example of that. When he was being stoned, he said, Father, forgive them. I wonder where he got that idea. For they know not what they do. The greatest example of love is Jesus on the cross. He could have called one angel and wiped out that puny crowd. But I want to tell you something. He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what to do. That is love. When somebody's hurting you and you forgive them, that's love. One time Abraham Lincoln was an outspoken political enemy named Edwin Stanton. And Stanton called Lincoln a low cunning clown called Abraham Lincoln an original gorilla. He even said this, it is ridiculous for people to go to Africa to see a gorilla when they can find one easily in Springfield, Illinois. Whoo, that's some political smud. And to Lincoln's credit, he never responded to these insults. Yet when he was elected president, Lincoln chose Stanton to be the Secretary of War, and when asked why, Lincoln said, because he's the best man for the job. And later, when Lincoln had been assassinated, Stanton stood by the coffin with tears 
that contained Lincoln's body and said through his tears, there lies the greatest ruler of men the world has ever seen. Patient love in action won that man over. And I want to say this, friend. God's love can win people over. Don't give up on the brink of a miracle. What is that miracle? God's love in your marriage. God's love in your relationship. God's love in your children. And then, folks, I see in verse 4 it says, Charity suffers long, but is kind. You know what kindness is? You know what it is. When somebody's kind to you, it puts a smile on your face. Come on, say amen. You know, we used to open the door to our cars when our wife was new or our car was new. <laughs> One of the two. <laughs> now we're in the car saying, would you hurry up? Don't ever take your... Do the, do the things you did before you got married. After you get married, you won't get unmarried. Say amen. When we dated, we actually had manners. <laughs> amen. Hey, we actually took a shower once in a while. <laughs> hey, we actually put on cologne. We actually spent money on our date. Now it's always, honey, you got any money? <laughs> hey, honey, can you have a little overtime? I'm kind of, I'm, I'm kind of hungry. Bum. But anyway, it's kind. It's kind. You know what kind is? It's active goodness that goes forth in behalf of another. Active goodness. You ever been around a person just good? It's just good to be around them. I mean, they don't walk by you like you're nobody. That insults me. But, you know, I'll get over it. You just go come on, come on to church and act like I don't exist and act like everybody else don't exist. We'll get over it. But I want to say this, friend. I love it when a person comes alongside of you and really cares how you're doing. I mean, really cares. I mean, you know, somebody like Brother Lamar that's laughing all the time, amen? That's, that's refreshing to me. Amen? Somebody smile. You know, smile is worth a thousand words because you ain't never got a smile at home. So when you, they come to church, you better hope somebody smiles at you. Let me ask you a question, men. Do you smile when she leaves the room or when she comes in it? Don't answer that question or you won't eat for three weeks. Especially when you're watching your favorite ball game. I wish she would leave. Amen. And then you smile when she does because you can concentrate on your little game. Those millionaires running around down there. Folks, kindness. Kindness is aware of somebody's presence and you respect that. You actually care. Brother Franklin Holmes was the most unusual man I've ever met in my life. One time we was at a restaurant, he says, watch this, preacher. I said, oh no, he's going to do something stupid. I mean, he's going to do something unwise. He's going to do something embarrassing. And he did. The waitress came in and says, how are you doing? And he went, not very good. And she just walked on off and started taking orders. And she, he looked at me and said, I told you she didn't care. And I thought, man, I told you she didn't care. She's just going through the motions. Have you ever just went through the motions? God's love does not go through the motions. How are you doing? You don't care. So why are you asking? What you ought to say is, I don't really care how you're doing. It's how I'm doing, and you recognize my presence. I won't recognize yours. Love is actively respectful. 
Number three, love envieth not. It's not jealous over a person's possessions, his success, his acknowledgement. I've heard of people, not in this church I hope, they get mad because they didn't get rid up, written up in the bulletin. You know, I want to recognize all those ladies that was such a blessing to my wife last week. She's always the one in there serving, organizing, and there was a lot of ladies that stepped up. Didn't come to the service, which I don't like that, but we'll, we'll tolerate it once a year. But you were serving. Some of you, some of you deacons' wives took it serious last week. You said, Miss Connie ain't going to serve, I'm serving. And I noticed you behind that counter. I noticed you taking, taking care to warm those things up and place all that great spread of food in place. And you did it out of love. Not just love for this pastor and his anniversary, but you did it out of the love of God and the love for visitors and the love for each other. That's love. That goes a long way. Have you ever heard somebody, you ever seen somebody serve and look like they're mad at the world? Oh, get, take your beans, you know. Here's a dessert if you want to. I'll cut it in a minute. Man, go home before you act like that. Amen? The love of God loves because you first was loved by God. You envy it not. Then, then number, number four, vaunteth not itself. Love's not bragging. You know, a lot of people love love people but they want everybody to recognize it they want everybody to realize it and they want everybody to advertise it hey he loves look at him he loves it amen and then it's not puffed up love's not arrogant or proud love is humble because it remembers where you were when God found you I'm going to tell you something friend none of us is big shots around here we're sinners saved by the grace of God. And when we get over it, we've done full of ourself. We live for ourself. We don't respect others. We don't love others. Say amen right there. Love's not puffed up. One time a preacher was deep sea fishing, and he, he, he caught this fish, and the fish puffed up. It was a blowfish. You know, when they get on land, they blow up. He looked at this. man, that looks like one of my members. You know, and uh, some people get puffed up. I've heard of people not speaking to each other, husband and wives, for a week. That's sad, isn't it? I've heard of people getting puffed up at their children. Children getting puffed up at them. Now, I'm just, I'm just preaching where we're at, man. Number five, seeketh not our own. Never selfish, never self-centered. I will tell you what uh, the uh, antithesis to selfishness is. It's Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5. It says, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robber to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. Think about the love of God for a second. He gave up heaven for you. Listen to this. He took upon him the form of a servant, born in old lean-to stable in a pig trough, a feed trough. And was made in the likeness of man. And being found in the fashion of man, he humbled himself, became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Folks, listen. Love ever gives. Love forgives. Love outlives. 
Love stands with an open hand full of blessings to give to others. While it lives, it gives. And this is love's priority, to give and to give and to give. For God so loved the world that He gave. 1 John 3, 16 says, Perceive ye the love of God that He gave His life for us that we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. I like that 2 John 3, 16 too, don't you? But a lot of times it stops at Calvary. And folks, when we're full of the Holy Spirit, there's one trait that's recognizable. There's one trait that is so satisfying and so, so, so attractive and so fulfilling to overflowing, is, and that is the love of God. The Holy Spirit loves through you. Without the Holy Spirit, you're just pumping water from a dry well. Number eight, it's not easily provoked. There it is right there in verse five. It says, do not behave itself unseemly, seek it not own, it's not easily provoked. Endures injury, slights, misunderstanding not being recognized. Love does not demand its own rights, but it's willing to yield. I'll tell you, there's a key word besides the love of God, and that is yield. It's not willing and dealing to be like Jesus, it's yielding. When you yield to the Spirit of God, He loves through you. And folks, when two people love each other, they give to each other. They sacrifice for each other. They spend time for each other. They have conversations with each other. They, they really uh, appreciate each other. They want to find out about each other. They want to not only know the facts Tuesday, but folks, they want to know how you feel and how that makes you feel. And that's true intimate conversation. If you'll talk to ladies, now we men, we can do without it, but we really can't. If you talk to ladies, one of the most important things in their marriage is loving conversation. Some of y'all fussed and fought all week. And it shows on your face this morning. You're sad. You can put on your little Pepsi dent smile if you want to, but you're sad. Because your Christianity will never rise any higher than your Christianity in the home. But I want to tell you something. You come out of a house full of love, a home full of love, a home full of mutual respect and mutual submission, and forgiveness and love, there is a joy and peace about that that the world knows not of. Can somebody say amen? And some of you that's went through the trauma of divorce, you know what it's like not to be loved. You know what it's like not to be respected. And you know what it's like, and you know how your children feel when he walks off into the sunset for somebody younger, or somebody prettier, or somebody more sensual the worst feeling in the world. They said that, children say that uh, the divorce can affect them more than death of a parent. Because they can explain death, but they can't explain divorce. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just going to tell you something, friend. Without God's love, you cannot minister out of the fullness of His love. Without God's love and power, you cannot forgive. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 32 says this, And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted. We need some tenderheartedness in marriages today. Hey, we need some people that really care 
how you feel. Say amen right there. This hard-heartedness has got to go out the back door. Callousness won't get the job done. Hey, just being married because you, you uh, sign your paper to some certificate is not getting it done. What we need is the love of God. The Bible says, husband, love your wife even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Ephesians 5.25. Amen. Folks, the only model that some people have is a daddy that's full of God's love. The only model that some people have is a husband that loves you as Christ loved the church. Be kind one of tender hearted. Listen to this. Forgiving one another even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. My time's up. I've got to go into the baptism service, but I want to say this right now. Folks, you're, you're, you're never more like Jesus than when you love. You never attract people to Jesus more than when you love. You never will magnify God and glorify God more than when you love. Because the Bible says, and he tried to find one sentence to describe God. 1 John 4, 8 says, God is love. Didn't say God is faith. Who's he going to put faith in? He didn't say God is hope. Who's he got hope in? He knows the future. Praise God. He's got all the hope he needs. But God is love. If you want to prove to a lost and dying world that Jesus is real, then be overflowing with his love. Love always thinks the best of others, thinketh no evil, verse 5. Takes no worthless inventory. Everybody's looking for some, something to find fault in. Say amen right there. You can do everything and have one closet, not, not straight, and he'll go straight to that closet. What's wrong with this? You know. Whew. I'm getting on conviction right there. Folks, listen. Love rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. And folks, I want to tell you something. If you're a Christian that's right with God, you love the truth. You love it proclaimed verse by verse just like this. You love it topical. You love it in a Sunday school lesson. You love it on Sunday night. You love it on Wednesday. And praise God, you love it on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It's just your love book. It's love letters from home. It's God expressing his love. It's God showing his will. It's the Holy Spirit ministering to your heart. He don't do it without the word of God. Love. Love fortifies. Look at verse 7 through 12. I ain't got time to read it, but it beareth all things. Let believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. God commended his love towards us, and while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. That sums it up. Believeth all things. It's not so negative. Hopeth all things. It expects something good is going to happen in your marriage, in your children. And love endureth all things. Love never gives up and continues in spite of persecution. You talk about love. These, these people gave their lives for Jesus. Willingly. <clears throat> Martyrs. Crucified. Burned us at the stake. In prison. How would you like to be in prison for being a Christian? They were in the New Testament. And Paul said it like this. The love of God constraineth. Love, God surrounds us. The love of God drives us. The love of God keeps us steady. 
I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. And henceforth there's a crown of righteousness laid for me, but not only for me, but all those who love his appearing. Do you love his appearing? Charity, love in action, God's love never faileth. Never faileth. Love's durability is found in verse 13. And now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. God is love. God is love. How can we how can we how can we demonstrate that? We'll turn to Galatians five twenty two and I'll, this will be the last verse I'll read. This morning. I got plenty for tonight. Can't wait to get the book of Job. One of the greatest words in the book of Job is no, K N O W. Job found a lot of things he could know. Look at Ephesians, excuse me, Galatians, chapter 5, verse 22, and I'll close. Hope you got something out of this message. It's not one of my romp, stomping, yelling, screaming, foaming at the mouth, as Brother Tony used to call me, messages. It's one you can take home with you. It's one that will change your marriage. You need to stop manipulating and start ministering out of the fullness of God, and you can't pump water from a dry well. Look at, if you're so full of self that all you do is love yourself, God's love can't flow because you just stayed it. God's love is precious. God's love will change a life. God's love will energize your mate because that love will come out as respect, care, compassion. You really care. See, left to ourselves, we're selfish. Say amen right there. Left to ourselves, we're really concerned about what we can get out of life. But yielded to the Spirit of God, you can touch so many lives. Look at Galatians 5:22. But the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Folks, joy is love exuding. Peace is love reposing. Long-suffering is love enduring, and gentleness is love refined, and goodness is love in action. Faith is love confining, and meekness is love bowed down and worshiping. And temperance, that's love that controls you. See, the reason you keep your temper is because you love the person that just ignited you. You love them. You love them not to get even or slap back. You love them not to walk out on them. You love them. And so you turn the other cheek. And you go another day. And you, and you love those that take you for granted. And folks, you forgive those that hurt you. And folks, the love of God will change your life. So what really matters? I'll tell you what really matters is the love of God in your heart and expressed through your life. It really matters. Father, use this message. It's been more of a Sunday school class than a sermon, but I don't apologize for it because it's the Word of God and it's something I needed. And it's the greatest Valentine's we'll ever receive. 
Folks, love is silence when our words would hurt. Lord, we know love is patience when our when we're hurt. Love is thoughtfulness. It's promptness, it's courage, it's ministry. Love is you. Love is you living through our lives. And all our talents, all our intelligence, all our gifts, all our potentials, all our achievements, sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal, it's really nothing without the love of God. So Lord, help us not to dam up the love of God with our selfish pride. Help us, God, not to stay the love of God with our self-centered motives. But God, help us to yield, yield, yield to the love of God as never before. That the lost and dying world will know that we are your disciples. And not only the lost and dying world, but our other disciples will know your disciple. Because you have love one for another. God, help us not to take our wives, our husbands for granted. Help us not to take the opportunity to minister to our children while they live in our homes with the love of God. Then after they leave, God, that they'll want to come home just to be around some more love. God, help our homes to be full of your love. Help our hearts to be full to overflowing with your love. God, we're going to praise you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, you say, well, how do I get this love? I'll tell you how you get this love. God is love. And the way you get this love is you trust Jesus as your personal Savior. You realize that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And so the way to get the love of God is to get Jesus because Jesus is love. The Holy Spirit's not an it, he's a person. And the fruit of his person in your life is love, joy, peace. I'd get saved to miss hell. Yes, I would. But I'd get saved to go to heaven. Oh, I I definitely want to go to heaven. But I'd get saved just to have the Spirit of God in my life so I can love my wife and love my children and love my church and love my friends like Jesus loves me. What a life. What a life. Some of y'all been shafted. Some of, you, some of you, your daddy's left you suddenly. Your mama's left you. But I want to tell you something. I want to assure you, God will never leave you or forsake you. Would you like to trust somebody that will never leave you or forsake you? Would you like to trust somebody that died in your place and took your hell for you? You can if you'll only be saved. Hey, say, preacher, I'm glad I've trusted in the love of God. And I know if I died today, I'd know I'd go to heaven. Would you raise your hand as a happy testimony of that all over this place? How many glad you saved? Say amen. And I want to tell you the fruit of how you know you're saved. You just love the things of God. You love His Word. You love His church. You love others. That's the fruit of the Spirit. We know that we pass from death to life because we love the brethren. 1 John 3, 14. Several cannot raise your hand. The only reason we give an invitation for these last 42 years since we started this church is because we love you. God loved me as a son of a drunk that had no, nothing to offer anyone save my soul on the third row of a Baptist church in 1964. I'm going to heaven. But I'm not only going to heaven, I got some heavenly blessings on this earth. How many say, preacher, I couldn't raise my hand that I'm saved. 
I don't have the capacity to love God like you said. All those miracles of forgiveness. But I want to be that kind of person. But I want to go to heaven, a place of love and laughter and love and joy. Light and joy. I don't want to go to hell where there's hatred and pain and agony. I want you to pray for me because I want to be saved. I want you to pray for me. Would you slip your hand up real high for prayer? You say, Preacher, I've never been saved, but I'd like to be. We're not going to come to you. I'm going to do the most I can do for you. I'm going to pray for you. Anyone? Slip your hand up, then back down. Anyone? Hey, you can be a member of this church and be lost. Join a church, don't get you saved. You must be born again. Anybody else? Just slip your hand up, then back down. Say, Preacher, please pray for me. Please pray for me. Anyone? Anyone? God bless you, sir. Appreciate the way you listen. Anybody else? Christians are praying now. Anybody else? One's had enough courage to raise their hand that they want to be saved. We'll not come to you. We won't embarrass you. We won't point you out in any way, shape, or form. I just want to pray for you. That's the most I can do for you because I love you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Wait just a minute more. That throb in your heart is called conviction. Let me say, preacher, I'm saved. But I want to love God more. And thus, I want to love those people around me. And I even want to love those that are hard to love. Isn't that a challenge? Say amen. We just want to duke it out, you know. You slap me, I'll slap you. You hurt me, I'll hurt you. That's human, isn't it? But I want to, I want to go beyond human. I want, to, I want to have some supernaturalness about my life. And you'd say, preacher, there's somebody I really need to love, but it's so hard to love. Would you ask God to give me grace and faith? choose to yield to the Spirit of God to love that person and that's your prayer this morning would you slip your hand up real high for prayer all over this place all over this place God bless you God bless you somebody that's hurt you well listen don't hurt them don't ignore them don't walk off from them love them somebody else I don't know why I'm taking my time so much we got four to baptize we got to get out of here but I believe God's moving God's moving in a still, small way. It could be a huge, eternal way. Anyone else? Say, preacher, I know I need to love more, and I need to be more like God, and I want to be more like God, and there's some people that's hard to love. I don't like their ways. I don't like their sin, but I want to love them. I want to love their soul. Pray for me. Anybody else? Yes, I see those hands. God bless you for your honesty. Father, in Jesus' name and for your glory, fill us as vessels of your love to overflow it. Help us to love the unlovable, the unlovely, the unloving. Help us to love those that hurt us, not get bitter. God, help us to love those that are lost and see them get saved. God, help us to love those that are backslidden and watch the prodigal son come home. Lord, thank you for the message on love. May we, God, be that message as we walk out of here. Yield to your spirit that the spirit of God might love through us. We'll praise you in Jesus' name. Save the soul that needs to be saved this morning. We'll praise you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.